Hey everyone, this is Heather, and you're listening to Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. Today's episode is called Healing Mind, Healing Body. And in case you can't hear the snorting in the background, um, I will be accompanied by my co-host, Stitch the French Bulldog, who clearly has something to say today. Alright guys, stick around. You can't plan this stuff, but my French Bulldog slurping in the background leads perfectly into what I want to talk about today. So I'm going to let him carry on. <laughs> so what does Stitch licking himself have to do with a healthy body or a healthy mind? This is it. So Stitch gets nervous. <laughs> so that's Okay, so the nervousness is, is an activity going on in his head, right? He's fearful about something, he's anxious, he's nervous. And as a consequence, he becomes super itchy. This has always happened with him. Like as soon as he's stressed out, a few body functions start kicking in, but usually he starts yawning like crazy. It's like a stress yawn. And also this itchy thing going on with his paws, he starts to lick them. So why is that and what's going on here? So similarly, I think with people, when our minds are right and healthy, it can help lead to a healthier body. And when our minds are off, sometimes we're not getting the results we're hoping for. So today was eye-opening for me. So this is me putting it all out on the table and telling you guys um, my own personal health story. But um, I had my primary care visit today, and it was the first time I was seeing this person. And I, I, there was a lot that I had to just like lay out on the table. And you know what's wild? And a lot of this is because of how much work I've done on my own ability to process stuff like grief and all of that. But um, I would like just talking to them today about it, the release started to happen and the tears started to flow a little. But let's just back up. So when I first got into this doctor's visit, first of all, my mouth was like giving a lot of information because <laughs> there was a lot to catch them up on. And if you like, just look at me on paper, it appears one way and I know darn well, there's a lot of other things at play. So I was trying to fill them in. Um, I say them, sorry, because there was a student in the room as well. Um, <laughs> Man, back in the day, that's something I used to do. I used to be the person that was um, in charge of like taking the interns on from our uh, college that had a program going on. I set it up with the school and then I would have like somebody shadowing me quite often. So uh, I was taken back just a little bit. Anyway, so <laughs> I had to get my A1C taken and anybody who is a diabetic knows what that is. If you don't know, I'm a type one. Now type one diabetics, this, and I've gone over this a little bit in past episodes, but for anybody just joining in, the biggest difference is that it's an autoimmune disorder and what's happened is I don't make the cells anymore that produce the insulin needed so that when you eat food, your body makes insulin to keep your blood sugars down. So basically in the absence of insulin, they get incredibly sick. So, um, for the rest of my life, I will need insulin. Well, it's funny because there's the yawn I was waiting for stitch. Um, so, okay. So like not, this isn't so much intended to be about diabetes, but basically what's going on here is for the rest of my life, I'll require insulin anytime I put carbohydrates into my body. 
Um, for me, it is for every 15 grams of carbohydrates I eat, I get one unit of insulin. Now, how does this play into the mind? Well, I found out today that my A1C, and A1C is a measure of how good you've been doing basically at keeping your numbers good over a, like you know a certain period of time. So they are able, by testing your blood, to know not like just that instant right then and there but they're able to see like over the past few months how you've been doing well uh to no surprise it's the worst number i've ever had actually worse than when i was diagnosed and when i was diagnosed i was told i should have been dead i should have been in a coma i needed to check myself in immediately i needed to head straight to the er and you know the whole thing so it's a little frightening to find out your numbers are worse than they were at that time. You know, at the time I was literally, I'd be treating a patient and I'd be passing out. Like I would literally start to like shut down. I would have to race to the bathroom um, because it affects your urine. There's so many things, right? And why it had gone so long undiagnosed is that nobody thought it was diabetes. I was getting so skinny. I was like a toothpick that I had size zero pants falling off me. So I was losing weight, but yet I had all these diabetic symptoms, but I was 28 years old. So, you know, you could say, yeah, well, you're a type one, not a type two. Type two usually has obesity attached to it, but you must've been a type one. Well, the problem there was I was 28. So I just kept saying, well, that's a childhood onset and that's obviously not me. So that I brushed that off over and over again. Well, guess what I found out the hard way? <laughs> You can have an adult onset of a childhood diabetes. So um, <laughs> the reason that this is getting so into my own health background here is that how was I able to have a number that was even worse than back then when I was like fainting and throwing up and falling asleep and passing, you know, like I was just a mess. I was like a real mess at that time. And I'm not having those symptoms right now, but my body is clearly under duress. You know what I mean? Like it's... It's like I'm still not well. My body's just gotten used to this, which is probably even worse, right? It's no longer giving me the signals that things aren't great. It's just gotten used to that as the new normal. But why is it? Like, why on earth now? Well, there's a couple things at play. One of them has to do with motivation. So again, another piece of mind connected to all of this. But like when I was... When we were trying to start a family and I was either pregnant or attempting to become pregnant, we were um, very careful with my blood sugars because we knew that having, um, you know, any kind of birth um, defects or um, even miscarriages and all these things can be connected to uncontrolled diabetic numbers. So we were on it, like very on it. And when I say on it, I mean like, you know that you need to dose when you eat, but I was dosing like 15 minutes before. Don't, none of this is medical advice, by the way. Nobody follow anything I'm saying in here. This is just my own experience of something that happened to me. Uh, but my whole disclaimer is always in the description of today's episode. So anyway, this is not medical advice. This is just something that happened. I um, was dosing like 15 minutes before it was mealtime just to make sure that it would basically never even have a little blip of a spike. You know what I mean? It like really stayed even and consistent. 
And then when my doctor would see my numbers, he was like, you need to give yourself less insulin. You're cutting it too close and you could pass out or you could have a problem if you accidentally was off by the littlest bit. But I was dedicated. I mean, what bigger motivation than your child's health, right? Like I wanted to make sure they weren't going to have birth defects and um, stuff like that. So I was just on it. Um, and my numbers were the best they ever have been. As a matter of fact, about half of what they are currently. So, <laughs> this is so exciting for a French bulldog. Um, but as he's calm, so this is a great example. So right now he just calmed down. He's starting to drift off to sleep now. Um, the itching has stopped and he looks totally comfortable and unbothered and he's no longer yawning or, you know, any of the other things. So, um, <laughs> I know what's been going on in my own mind. I know what's been happening, you know, over these last few months and this past, you know, couple years now, you know, I lost the love of my life to cancer and we fought this awful battle and, and then, you know, trying to start over and, um, you know, starting a new job and getting kids back to school and da, 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 you know, COVID and the whole thing. I mean, my list was extensive, but it's no excuse, right? This stuff's happening in my world. And here I am. I mean, I am a grief coach now. I am helping people inside my program every day get better. And yet physically, my body's starting to fail. So what's going on? Like, what? you know what I mean? Uh, the real answer to that is that if we don't address things and we attempt to sweep it underneath the rug, it still festers and grows and can become a real problem for you. So some people are just masters at masking, masters at, you know, putting on the face, acting as if, but all the while on the inside, things are just crumbling. Um, the thing that is interesting is that we feel like we're then controlling things on some level, but it's actually the opposite. You know what I mean? Like we're completely out of control if this is going on. You know what I mean? Like we have given it up. Like it's like we've just decided to ignore, neglect, deflect. Like it's just all of these things that we do to not have to, you know, struggle and feel the pain in the end, our body still experiences it on some level. So although we feel like we are, we're taking control of this, I'm not going to let you affect me. I'm going to go whatever and have a grand time. Uh, you know, your body's got more to say about this than, you know, what you decide is going to happen. Your body's going to continue to do what it needs to do. Uh, and in, in this case, what's happening is, you know, and for, well, I'll say for my own situation right now, I have, hmm, it's not as though I am really having, um, terrible, whew, how do I explain it? Like buried anger and hurt and stuff. I'm not, I am experiencing it. I'm letting it come out, all that stuff, but I'm also very guilty of busying myself up to not have to do it as often as my body wants to release it. So it's like an imbalance currently. I am working on this on my own. I know this is an issue, but like truly my body would be crying 24 seven right now because it has so much stuff to release. And I've said this on past episodes, but I am allowing only like a, 
um, IV drip of it to enter into my day, but not all purposefully, not because I'm like shoving it down and not wanting to have to deal with it, but because I'm like busying myself to the point where I don't even have time to deal with it. You know, like today after getting this news, like I know when my husband was alive, I would get very emotional if I had a bad number and talk to him on the car ride home and have that moment. Well, what happened today was, um, you know, I got this terrible news. I wanted to share it with him. Then I thought about calling a friend to share it with them. And I thought about just pivoting and letting it, you know. And then I got a phone call. And it was my son's classroom teacher who they just do this early on, beginning of the year check-in and how's everything going and how can I support your kid at school kind of thing. Um, but it happened at a very interesting moment right as I was pulling into the cemetery. Now, my husband was somebody who did not miss, not once ever, a parent-teacher conference. He attended every single one of them. He was there for every first day of school. He never missed a sport event. Uh, he coached often. Like, he was there for it all. Sunday school, whatever. He, he didn't miss anything. So he made my kids a priority, and they knew it, and it was wonderful. The irony was not lost on me. Like, as I'm pulling into the cemetery that she called, he literally got to be right there for this phone call. Um, I, I even rolled my window down and had the phone on and speaker, and yeah, it was just, it was wild, you know? But even then, like, I w I'm usually like a car crier, I call it. Like, I often, the car or the shower, these moments where I can finally, like, the world quiets. You know, you can just be with your thoughts. You can allow it to happen. Maybe music, which connects a lot of us to our emotions, are, is playing. Um, but I didn't even get that car ride because it was kind of interrupted, which was fine. Um, but again, like it doesn't change the fact that those emotions are all still right there and haven't been dealt with yet because I'm busy, 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 busy. Like, I haven't even had a chance to, like, sit with the emotion of all of this yet. have to do a podcast episode. have to get back to clients wanting to enter into my free Facebook group. I've got to write a post. I've got to do, you know, whatever it is. I've got, like, a million things, and I have a backup list for those million things. And often what I'm doing is subconsciously, I think, but... Um, you know, I'm just filling up the time so that I don't have to have a full day of being stuck in my bed. And that none of that's good. It's not. I will use myself as the example to say, I know this is not healthy and good for my mind. And as a consequence, this is clearly not good or healthy for my body. You know, these numbers today proved it. I thought I'm just fine. And then, I don't know. And not to mention the student, when he listened to my heart, said, I think I detect a slight murmur. Um, it's no big deal. A lot of people have it. Da, 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 and he went on and on. And I looked at him and I said, well, I did just have my heart completely broken. So it, it, there is a possibility that it's not fully functioning correctly at this point. Kind of making light of it, but also kind of true to a certain degree. But um, so then the doctor came back in and she checked it and said, oh, no, it's fine. But but he very well could have heard something and it just wasn't consistent enough or it was subtle enough that it was, you know, not a thing. But, um, <laughs> yeah, my body is just, it is affected by all this. I can deny it all I want, but my blood sugars are a reflection of everything going on right now. There's the cortisol release that I love to talk about so much because I, you know, that release of cortisol, which is that stress hormone 
can lead to a lot of damage in your body if it's not, you know, gauged correctly and, you know, your body's not turning it off when it needs to or, you know, dampering it when it should be and all that. If it's just staying high, um, you know, I've got my heart's probably racing and, you know, I'm breathing probably off because I'm always flying into everything because I'm keeping myself so overly busy and occupied. You know, I'm not dosing prior to my meal anymore. I'm lucky if I'm even remembering to do it after my meal. Um, you know, I'm getting a big lack of sleep right now. I've got, um, well, yesterday I was weeding and slipped and fell. And this morning I stubbed my toe off the wall and I think I might've broken a toe. You can't make this stuff up, but like your body speaks to you. <laughs> if it's starting to fall apart, quite literally, like what's going on with me, pay attention to it, you know? Usually when, even when we run into walls or have like stupid fluke things that keep happening, like I was just saying, I slipped and fell and then cracked my toe off the wall. And actually I smashed my shoulder, other shoulder off the wall upstairs this morning as well. When that stuff happens in numbers, <laughs> that's usually a sign, you know? They say when things continually keep happening to you, whether it be seeing a bird or a feather or whatever it is, if it continues to happen, like if it happens once, okay, it might be coincidence, but if it's happening again and again, pay attention. I feel like that's what our bodies do when they need attention, right? It's like, whoa, slow down. I'm not running correctly and you are pushing me too hard. <laughs> you know, it's literally like waving its hands around and going, hello, pay attention. You are not in good health right now. You might look like you're in good health, but you are not in good health. And this is what happened with my husband. You know, he looked so good and healthy right up until the point that he was dying. Like it was like a switch, you know? He went from like the healthiest looking person in the room, eating his salads, drinking his water, muscle, and you know, no body fat, and you know, all of it, barely even a gray hair on his head. And then, once things went bad, they went real bad, fast. So, you know, there's a few things there too that were going on. So one is once you're dealt information like this and you hear that you are sick, it is very easy to like go down that slippery path of like, whoa, I'm dying or I'm, you know, you start seeing yourself different. It's like when somebody tells you that you look fat wearing something or you're, you're, um, you're starting to look old or you have a gray hair or wrinkle. I mean, yeah, it's crazy to think that people would even still say things like that today in this day and age, but, uh, you know, implications, I guess, like when, um, <laughs> or maybe even like, you know, a parent pointing out the first time they see gray hair on your head or something, but then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, do you ever feel old? And you're hunting and searching for it and you feel like exhausted and tired and once that word's been put on you, it feels really heavy. Or once somebody makes a comment about your weight or something, all of a sudden that spotlight becomes on it. You know, things like that. I think um, once he heard cancer and was told that, you know, it's bad, it was very bad and very fast. Um, but yeah, there's usually some signs. And one of them that I just think is, you know, it's underestimated, I guess, um, not paid attention to enough is truly our health of our mind, you know, and, and that yes, has to do with the emotions I was just talking about, 
but also I think it has to do with just our mindset in general and the type of person we are. So I want to get into that and dig a little deeper on that part of the topic. Um, this is a perfect time for me to take a quick break. And when I get back, we'll get into it, guys. So don't go anywhere. Okay, guys, my free Facebook group for grieving soulmates. It is growing so fast, so beautifully. The people inside of it are supportive. They are like-minded people if you've been through a big loss which is so good of a feeling because um, there's advice inside there that's just priceless from other people who've been through it done it um, and you know found their own ways through the struggle so uh, if you or anybody that you know and love could benefit from that then send them on over to my uh, description and for this podcast today and I will drop a link in there where you can grab your invite and then hopefully I'll see you on the inside because I can tell you for myself it is powerful to be around other people who just can hear you a little more clearly and loudly um, it's a wonderful group and I don't want you to miss out all right guys back to the show have you ever experienced sitting around and waiting for a result to come and it feels like a really long time passes and then you watch the doctors or nurses coming and going and the way that they look at each other, the way that they look at you, the way they look at the papers and the notes. And all of a sudden, your heart just starts to race a bit. Poof. I can tell you that when we were going through my husband's cancer fight, it was very, very hard to sit and wait, even just for the doctor to arrive in the room before anything was said, spoken, witnessed. Like we just were already in our own heads thinking, oh my gosh, I'm sure they're looking at his chart right now and going, wow, what is this? What have I walked into today? <laughs> you know, what am I about to come through the door and see? And sure enough, we were told by several doctors that they expected to walk in and see him, you know, in his wheelchair, getting ready to sign hospice papers. So oh, yeah, that feeling, it is something like that even just sitting and waiting had an effect over our bodies and um, this goes along with the not knowing you know it's there's something to be said for even though we don't always like what we find out just knowing um, because when we didn't know what it was we just knew there was you know something found on MRI looked like cancer or you know blood work but we weren't sure what it meant just that it wasn't within the normal range you know first of all we had to fight the the want and desire to google everything because good goodness that would cause its own host of spirals and stress for nothing but it's definitely led me to think more and more about prevention and um this is owning it up you know owning up to it time <laughs> so I made the choice after my husband passed. And again, this is certainly not medical advice. As a matter of fact, I believe strongly in prevention and testing, but my mind was not well or healthy or caring too much after losing my husband. And it was just a decision of mine to no longer do cancer screens and things like that. I sat and I talked today to that intern I was talking about, the student that was in the classroom. And he had been pretty quiet through the whole visit. At the end, uh, after the doctor left, he kind of looked at me and said, can I ask you like an honest 
question. Just I'm curious, why would you have said you didn't want to have these things done? You know, you know that they can save your life. They, you know that, you know, with these tests, you can find out this and this and this, this much more in advance. And they you know he's thrown out a bunch of statistics. Whew. And here I am looking at this kid. Sorry, this is going to get me emotional. Um, you know, looking at this kid who is just at the start of everything, you know, entering into his career. Um, I didn't ask him about his family because, you know, he was asking me so many questions. I didn't even really get to find out a ton about him, just about where he lived and whatnot. But, um, you know, I was that was heavy on my heart because I'm thinking to myself, I'm basically about to tell him that I know what's right for me and I'm choosing to ignore that advice. And yet still, I would look you in your eyes and say, you had better not ever skip one of these because my husband lost his life because he didn't do a lot of these tests. So, um, sorry guys. Yeah, that was hard. I, um, no doubt, I know that I need to get healthier and better myself and actually doing this podcast grief coaching others, it holds me accountable in a big way because you can only get others as healthy as you are, right? So, I mean, I can say you need to do something, but if I'm not doing it, then, you know, come on. And my big thing, especially after losing my husband, was like fighting cancer, just direct all that anger somewhere. And, um, and still, you know, I am furious at cancer. And the last thing I want to do is give it the upper hand, allow it to take my life. It's the idea, though, to me of prolonging my own life. It's not about like, you know, this. we're not talking about a discussion of suicide or not wanting to live any longer. It's for me and my faith and where I'm at right now that I feel like my life was like fully front-loaded with good stuff. Like I did a lot in my 20s that most people haven't even gotten to by the time they're in their 40s, you know? My husband and I did a lot of our stuff early. And we put off having kids until a little later. And we um, we just, we did a lot, you know? I feel like I checked every bucket list thing, you know? Except for watching my kids have kids and get their first job and graduate and all those things, you know? Most of the things that are left on my bucket list have to do with them and not as much with me. Um, you know, I want to see all those things happen, but after losing my husband, I adopted this idea of like, well, you know, when it's my time, I'm just okay with that. Um, and I got to think there's some of you out there that have gone through something like this where you've just been like, you know, I like, it, it took my zest for life losing him. You know what I mean? Like I... It also took my fear of death, and um, this is what I was telling the intern today. It took my fear of death away. Like, I'm not afraid to die any longer. I now have this feeling of, like, I'm not in control of it. God is, and when he, you know, takes that and decides it's my time, it's my time. But, um, you know, also, God has given us these preventative tools for a reason, (laughs) you know? Um, And I think that neglecting your health and just saying, well, well, it's in God's 
hands is kind of a cop-out. I know this, right? These things are logically, I get. Um, it's just letting my emotions catch up, you know? That's kind of the disconnect for me right now. Um, I'm working on it, and I know how to do it. It's just a matter of the want and the desire, you know? Um, and I have real healthy conversations with my own children. Like, I don't keep things from them. We've talked about these very things, about, like, I want them to know if, God forbid, anything does happen to me and they're still young, um, don't worry about mom. You know what I mean? Like, mom's going to be worried about you. You guys that don't have either parent here anymore. Like, if something happens to me, I have a heart attack or whatever. We wake up in the morning and mom's not here anymore. God forbid that that should happen, though, to them especially. But if that were to happen, like, I want them to know I'm with my best friend again. I want them to know my heart's at peace. I want them to know that, like, I don't want them to grieve about any of that. Like, it, the part that stinks is only that I won't be there in a physical body to be attending their games, but I'm still going to be watching it. I'm not going to be able to tell them how proud I am, but I'm still going to have that pride. Do you know what I mean? Like, we've had those little conversations before, and it's funny. My kids are the ones that will say to me, well, I don't want you to miss when I have kids someday. I don't want you to not be there for these things. And that... I think that is what made me realize, okay, it's, it's more than just me. That's, it's a selfish, selfish approach to be like neglectful with my own health. And I mean, I'm not neglectful with my own health to the point that like, if I was being completely neglectful, I wouldn't take insulin. I don't, I do take my insulin. I'm not as good at it as I could be, but that's definitely not anything I'm consciously doing. I'm just so busy that I'll forget or I'll be late to do it or I won't do it, you know, in advance enough because I'm not planning well and stuff like that. But like, I'm not purposely, but then it came to this issue of, um, having this, um, you know, the uh, cancer screens that I was like, you know, maybe I am neglecting aspects that could cut my life short and deprive them of having me in their future. So, you know, we sat for a bit, talked about it. He didn't say much. He let me just kind of say everything I had to say. He asked a few questions because he was legitimately curious about how, why on earth, you know? Like, almost like even why, why would you take this step to come in and do all of this, yet you wouldn't do that. And there were a lot of things that were conflicting in my own actions, right? Like if I'm there and I'm willing to say, well, hey, yeah, I'm gonna give myself insulin, but I'm not gonna take good enough care that it's not gonna be around forever, but I'm gonna do, you know, sure, I did a COVID shot, but no, I'm not gonna do a pap smear or cancer screen or mammogram, you know, like they're not quite adding up. And he was kind of just trying to figure it out and he even said to me, you know, I hear this a lot out of patients in their 70s plus but in their 40s that's not very common and all I could say to that was like you know sadly I think a lot of people lose their person later in life not in their 40s you know I'm kind of living a more geriatric lifestyle at this point right I'm kind of living this you know bereavement process it's, it's like man, I kind of am living the life that I expected to be living in my 
80s plus, you know, like maybe then. But you don't ever imagine that half that time that that you would already feel that, you know. But the confliction that he's sensing is this part of me that feels like I'm in my 80s <laughs> grieving the loss of my husband to a cancer and being alone in the rocking chair, <laughs> you know what I mean? That you expect to be in your older years conflicting with a young mom of two boys that need me and um, need me to have a job that supports them going on to college if they want to and doing whatever they want and not having to sell their home or their vehicles or whatever, like all those things that I want to save and maintain for them. Like, I don't want them stripped of all that. I certainly don't want them stripped of both parents. Um, and, and that's my motivation. Here's where that falls short. If you're not doing things for yourself, then, you know, you're just not fully invested, right? Like any change you make in life has to be not just about serving others, but it also has to be on some level, you know, for your own good, because what if all those things go away, you know? What, well, the day that my kids are grown and off to college or meet the love of their lives or start this fantastic job, they're secure, they have everything they need, they don't need anything from me anymore. Then what? What about the grieving mother who, I mean, ooh, <laughs> sorry about that. My computer just dinged and scared me. What about for the person who's grieving um, the loss of their wife and they never had children and now they're the only person and they don't have the excuse of doing something for their kids or not the excuse, but the motivation, right? What about for them? Um, if we put all of our eggs into the basket of, you know, trying to do it for somebody or like for your mother because you're the caregiver for them and you need to be here for that or whatever it is. What if your mother passes away and you don't have that anymore? Like you need to do it for you. Um, and I'm speaking to myself very much, but I'm also speaking to everybody out there listening that this 20 something year old, he taught me something today, you know, it wasn't even a, it was none of the words he said, cause he didn't actually tell me anything. He only asked, it was the look on his face of like genuine concern, confusion. Um, and he was like empathetic and just listening and taking it all in and trying to understand me. But I knew I was talking about out both sides of my mouth. I knew nothing was making sense. Nothing, not my, any of my actions right now make total sense, you know? I feel like I'm just doing the best I can right now. So that's another thing I told him is that I'm staying very present. Like cancer screens are thinking about tomorrow. They're thinking about future. And I think that's my disconnect is that I'm fully able to be fully present right now and have good times with my kids and laugh and enjoy life again and do these things and whatever. But that's because I'm staying in today. Like if you ask me to do something with you this coming weekend, if you ask me to like, let's make a plan for next month. Can you come visit me out, you know, in Arizona or whatever? Can you, I can't make a plan that far in advance. I can't even tell you when's a good time for me because I'm not so sure I've got anything resembling like a good time for anything right now. Like, I don't like to look so far in the future. I realize how busy and overextended I truly am. 
I'm just staying in today because it feels safe. It feels good. It feels doable. But retirement without my person and, you know, the vacation that I was supposed to have coming up without my person, the holidays coming up without my person, you know, like even the PTO meeting or whatever without my person, it all just seems too much. But I can certainly stay here and present and be real active with my kids and real active with, you know, friends and, um, you know, maintain a clean house and take a shower and do whatever. And early on in my grief process, I couldn't even do that. I wasn't even able to handle the present. I was quite literally stuck in the past. I was still grieving what was missing and lost. And I was still stuck in the emotion of having watched him slip away right in front of my eyes, holding my hand, gone from this earth. And, you know, those things were like stuck. I was so stuck in those that I wasn't even present. So I'm just going to celebrate the wins of coming from, you know, stuck in that hard, impossible fight of cancer that like deprived us of everything that we wanted to have as our perfect ending in life that everyone thinks can be. And then I moved on from that and I have gotten to the place where now I can make the present not be so torturous and be able to be upbeat and positive and enjoying things again. And you know what? I think tomorrow <laughs> I'm going to start working on just that tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to start working on getting a day ahead of myself, getting a week ahead, you know, seeing if I can extend that to a month, a year, you know, and maybe at that point, you know, a year, if I'm thinking a whole year in advance, then maybe just maybe I'll be back to being able to get all that prevention done again. Maybe then I'll be able to handle thinking about wanting to be here for the next upcoming things. You know what I mean? And I think there's a little lesson in that for everybody that like, you got to get yourself right here and now your mind right, straight and healthy. You know what I mean? And it all starts with that. Because if you're in a spiral right now, you're not protecting the future you. You're not even taking care of the current you. So, you know, start with heeding your own advice because a lot of us are really good at saying it and not so much walking the walk and then just doing it for yourself and trying to really pull away from always doing it for everybody else um in the end that leads to a lot of fake masks and you know fake smiles and all that stuff when you're trying to make other people think you're doing well when you're not you know i mean if you just don't want to have the conversation around it and some days you will want to stay home and that's okay too. You know, you'd give yourself what you need and, and today I needed to not, to not take the preventative steps. You know, I mean, I do other things to make sure that I'm staying healthy and well and, and I hope for myself and I hope for everybody listening that you're taking the preventative steps for tomorrow, you know, or will be in the, the near future. Um, yeah, cause there's really no, no greater loss and, um, I just actually posted that today inside of the free Facebook group that I offer about how, you know, the real only true loss there would be that now the world would be deprived of both your person and you, you know, if you can't get yourself going again and back out into the world and healthy and taking care of yourself, you know, there's a big difference between existing and living. <laughs> big difference and everybody deserves to live and just because your person had a shorter lifespan 
you know, you didn't die the day they did. And it probably feels like you did if you lost somebody major to yourself, a parent, you know, sibling, child, spouse, um, whatever it may be. You probably feel like a part of you did die at the same time they did. And maybe a part of you did, you know. <laughs> but there's still some of you here and the world needs it. And I, the, the reason I say that with confidence and a lot of people might not like hearing it, but I do believe if you're still here, there's a reason, you know, that there's a reason you weren't the one that was plucked from this world too early, too young. Um, you know, you still got some stuff, so stuff to do. <laughs> and it's got to start with taking care of yourself, you know. I'm all about looking at wellness through a different lens. That's kind of my main reason for doing this podcast. Um, I feel like the old ways of wellness, some of them are just expired, you know? They're just, we need to look at it differently now. We know that healthcare has changed, so we need to be looking at how we go about what we do in a better way. There's so many more parts than just the old food pyramids they used to put out there and saying to stay active and stuff. Now we know so much more. You know, we know more and more and more than ever about vitamins, supplements, exercise, um, you know, whether we should be doing weight bearing or high impact or, you know, I could go on and on and on. Like there's so much to be learned and gained now. Um, and I think one big shift and change is that we're realizing more and more every day just how much our mind does affect our physical body and what type of influences it has. I've talked about in past episodes that autonomic immune system, I mean the autonomic nervous system, sorry, uh, and how directly that's affected by our mind and thoughts and all of that. But um, even beyond that, there's just, there's a big connection over whether we're healthy and well upstairs in our head and whether or not our body is, you know? I mean, and in my case, as I just demonstrated, it has led to me not taking the physical actions to protect and take care of my body. That's how my mind ended up affecting my body in a negative way. And now, you know, I'm changing that. The first thing I said is I'm making big shifts. I gave myself the next six months when I go back in for my next A1C check. If my number is not drastically better, I have agreed to go to, and I'm saying this because I hold myself accountable at what I say on here. But I will go back to trying one of the pods or pumps or something where I can get my numbers back in check and into a healthier place. Um, I don't like those for myself because, well, I've had a couple bad experiences because I forgot that I was wearing it and ripped it out. <laughs> and that is painful. Um, also, I have had some poor experiences with people um, in the public thinking that they know what it's for and trying to offer me medical advice. So I, I do advise people to not do that to each other. Um, if you see somebody wearing something and you think it's like, I mean, I had people thinking it was for nicotine addiction. I had people thinking it was for a cancer treatment. I had people thinking it was because I was a type two diabetic and I had all kinds of medical advice and suggestions and what worked for me and getting delved out. And as a consequence, I ended up not wanting to wear it anymore because I was just feeling like, ugh. I don't want everybody thinking they're my doctor and can, you know, I didn't have the 45 minutes to stop and have a conversation at the grocery store every time I went in to answer people's questions about it. You know, those types of things. But 
you know what? I'll suck it up and I will do it if I can't get myself right. You got to do what you got to do to be healthy and well, guys. And I hope that my experiences and um, poor choices <laughs> sometimes for sure and uh, Stitch's itching and, you know, related to his stress and all of that stuff can just teach you a little lesson in making sure that, you know, you get your head straight, <laughs> get your body che checked out, taken care of, you know, prevent what you can so you don't end up in a situation like mine, you know, losing my husband in his 40s. And truth be told, if he had had more check-ins, more re yearly examinations and things, who knows what they would have caught. You know, so he's the perfect example to see what you don't want to have happen. And so am I, frankly, like you don't want to end up like this. So I'm making changes. I hope you are too. I hope I inspired you in some way to get your mind right, get your body right, take care of you because the world still needs you in it. And until next time, guys, I'm so grateful that you guys have been checking in and listening. All right, I'll see you later.